trinity of love. You are disposing the powers of hate and isolation. You are gathering creation in bonds of mutual care. And through the water of baptism, may our relentlessness, our life in you be reborn to a life of justice and mercy and peace. You have invited us into your divine dance. And so teach us to move, to breathe, and to find the ground of our being. Through Jesus Christ, who is always with us, I pray that you would use the words of a broken man like me for your glory. Spirit, speak, for we are listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus is getting towards the end of his ministry and is having these small gatherings with his disciples. And I just imagine him kind of gently whispering these words. I have so much more to tell you, but you can't bear to hear it now. You can imagine someone who's sitting, maybe they're sitting in their bed, they're getting towards the end of their life, they, they're asked their, their son, their daughter, their family to come close and whispers in their ear, there's so much more to share with you. We sit there longing to just take in the wisdom, the experience, the story. And Jesus says, but you can't bear to hear it now. See, at this point, Jesus' disciples don't totally get it, but Jesus sees kind of how the path is playing out. He sees the pain, the suffering, and the loss, the crucifixion that lies ahead of him. And with a gentle presence, he shares these small vignettes throughout the Gospel of John of what is to come of the reality that he is walking in the middle of. They feel that everything is building towards this place of power and conquer. And Jesus says and sees that it is moving to a place of vulnerability where real power lies. He is moving to a place of sacrifice. He is moving to a place of letting go. But he knows they can't bear it. I also wonder... When Jesus says, I have so much more to tell you, but you can't bear to hear it, if maybe he's hinting at the great mystery of God, that Jesus has been dancing and moving and interacting with, but knows even if he begins to explain it, we would not in our humanness be able to bear it, to understand it. You see it with the disciples, thanks be to them for going first. Jesus explains something, and they're like, yeah, we don't get it. And he's like, okay, let me try again. And then they're like, still don't get it. And we're like, you disciples. But when in honesty, we're like, yeah, I don't don't really get it either. Um, Peter just went first for us. Jesus has an insight into the reality of God that is unbearable, and I love that about God. Jesus is experiencing a death and a mystery of this God. It is fully revealed. But simply put, God is unbearable 
to us. The moment that we begin to put words, symbols, language, we we put song to it, the moment we begin to grasp for God is the moment it slips through our hands. That's just what the mystery of God is. We can't bear it, control it, trap it, or use it for our own good and control and power. And so Jesus, with a gentle and beautiful reminder, in some way says, hey, Disciples, hey, those sitting in, the commun- in church today, you're human. I'm about ready to suffer, and I know that you have suffering. But I know some things about God that maybe you just can't even bear. I imagine the disciples like little children, beautifully and innocently just asking the question, Why? Kids that are here with us today, it's probably one of the most profound questions that you can ask to the adults around you, like, why? 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 And just keep repeating it. Now you, see, you may see mom and dad's eyes start to roll, but that's just because they don't have all the answers, and they're scared to show that. My daughter, Ellie, all the time, she says, well, how, how is this made? All the time. She gets a new toy and looks at it and goes, like, how is this made? And we kind of go through it, and then no, no, like, where is this made? And I was like, well, I'm not sure, but I think at a factory. And she's like, well, where are factories made? And I'm like, well, factories are kind of made by humans and machines and different things. And well, what, are, what is that made of? And I, well, wood and steel and metal. And I, 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 I hang in as long as I can. It always gets to the point of like, well, well, where are humans? How are they made? And I'm like, well, we got a long story, but let, let's... <laughs> We're going all the way. Let's keep talking. And then it gets to the point where it's like, well, who made God? And then we just look at each other and we go. (laughs) There's something in this that we just can't bear. But the questions dig us deeper and deeper into this mystery of what this God and who this God is. Ancient St. Hildegard of Bingen said, you are encircled by the arms of the mystery of God. At times in our life, the mystery of God can be something so confusing. It can be something that we wail and we scream at. And at other times, the mystery of God can be something in which we take great comfort, like these arms that are circling around us. Well, today and in this passage, we celebrate what is called Trinity Sunday, this this deep mystery of God, of of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, And Jesus, even as he begins to talk about it, you can see the disciples kind of glazing over and being like, yeah, we we don't get it. We just want to know, are we gonna be okay? And he keeps talking about this movement. Of, of what this Trinity means, of what this understanding, the core of who God is. Uh, I've heard and I've probably used all of the different examples that are really probably just in general not helpful when trying to explain the Trinity, but it's just hard as humans to not be able to understand something and then to try to trust it. God is the Trinity, well, kids, it's, it's like an egg. There's a shell, there's a white, and then there's a yolk, but together they are one. Or my favorite, the Trinity is like milk chocolate. There's the creator, which is the milk, and Jesus is the chocolate syrup, and the spirit is the spoon, which mixes and stirs the whole thing up. 
The Spirit, the Trinity, is like a divine square dance in which three are participating and moving in and out with one another. And the more that they move and dance together, the more their relationship and who they are becomes blurred. And in the midst of it all, we are called to be caught up in awe, in wonder, and even allowed to participate in the movements themselves. The minute you begin to try to explain it is the minute you begin to lose the reality and the mystery of what it is. But it's a beautiful thing to think about. It's a beautiful thing to be invited into. If you understand what God is, if it is clear and certain, I can promise you it is not God. There is mystery There is a profound presence. There is a reality and a truth to it. But our words, our symbols, our actions are just a grasping for that which is larger than us because we are humans. And that's a good thing. Well, here's all all these things fall short. It reminds me of not too long ago, I was in a van with some friends and one of my friends was explaining string theory to me. You can imagine how, I mean, I'm pretty well versed in string theory. Um, That's about as far as I can go. I think I'm saying it right. Um, And he was explaining it to me, and the more he talked, and he was doing an amazing job at bringing it down to my level, but we're sitting in his van, and he's just going off about all the different parts and why this thing, and I just, the more he talked, the more confused I got, but the more inspired I got about life, and I left, and I'm like, I don't get it, but that's awesome. That's what I see the disciples doing. And Jesus saying, oh, oh, I have so much more to tell you. This God that you read about or know or pray to, oh, oh, I have so much more to tell you. But you can't bear to hear it all right now. And so in the scriptures of the New Testament and bringing into the Old Testament, we get this this kind of idea, this is our kind of the best, some of the best work of, of people trying to put together what, what do we do with this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And so this idea in the early church of the Trinity begins to arise as they're grappling with Old Testament passages, with New Testament passages, but what they're grappling with the most is a lived experience of God. These are people who are grappling with with those who have experienced Christ on this earth, with those who had experienced transformation of the Spirit in their lives and were telling stories to their grandkids about it, about this life-changing experience. And as they live this deeply rooted experience in their ordinary life, this, 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 this idea, this image, this grasping of the idea of the Trinity begins to present itself and put itself forth. My friends, some of the mysteries of God that we are talking about are often deeply rooted and experienced in our ordinary life. So yes, we can talk about the mystery of them all, but we also, we also understand we have to grasp with the experience of our lives. 
Those everyday grounding things where we say, like, I, I don't know what words to put to it, but, but there is some experience. There are some ways I am interacting and hearing and being transformed. I once was blind, and now that I see, there are ways in which the experience with God help us understand the mystery of God, but don't give us words or don't give us exact theologies for it. And the early church, these mere fishermen, tax collectors, everyday fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters were trying to grapple with the experience of God in their life and in their community. And it asks us to do the same in our life, in our community. See, the concept of the Trinity is revealing something, experiencing something about the nature and the story of God that has started at the beginning of time and will move to the end. And it's like this kind of symphony, this three-part symphony that is building and it's cascading and it's leading to a freedom and to a life in which we are called to participate in. And so in this story of God as it's being revealed, we kind of see this movement. There's this idea of this God, which we often hold of God, I guess, up there maybe. This God that speaks from up there that is beyond our best way of saying God kind of beyond us or, or often just kind of gets held up there. And there's this in this beginning of this God that speaks words over creation and it creates in the beginning of the creation story, there's an idea of this, these wings that are flowing over the creational waters. Many Hebrews would talk, in Hebrew scholars would talk about that being the, the spirit that is hovering over the waters at the very beginning of creation. The same idea that John takes on in John 1 when he starts talking about this word made flesh that is spoken into the very being of creation. All three there in the beginning. And so we have this image. It starts with this image of God up there. But then the vision slowly begins to move to a God that is down here with us, creating, redeeming, and sustaining creation at every turn with every unfurling leaf and blossoming flower, with every life that is transformed. God begins to move from this distant up there thing to something that is present here. We see God walking with humanity early in the garden. But you also see this absence of God throughout the story. God seems to get kind of almost further and further away, or we try to put him in these temples or these towers or these buildings, and it just won't hold this God. Until one day, Christ shows up and proclaims that this God that was once up there is now here in flesh, in humanity with us. And this God in flesh and humanity with us walks around with us, suffers and cries, loves, is betrayed. So now this God that was once up there now shares a humanity and knows what it's like for us to live here. And it's this very God that with his hands stretched out says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God forsaking God. This pure emptiness is what Jesus experiences. And oh, how it validates our experiences in this world. This 
maybe feeling of this death of God, this void of God in our life and in our soul. Jesus experiences that not just as a human, but as divine as well. And so now there's complete emptiness and complete silence. And then on that is the epochs of this spirit that has always been there. But Jesus says in this passage is showing up and is bringing truth. The deepest type of truth that our lives can even begin to touch or handle. I'm talking like deep truth, not factual kind of things, but deeper, deeper, deeper truth. I don't know if you've touched some of those deep truths in your life, but this is where the Spirit is showing up and speaking in our lives. And so God has come to be, to be in and through in our very world and in our very being. And Jesus says, I want to share all of this with you, but you just can't handle it. You see, the disciples encountered Jesus. The early disciples found themselves face to face with this God with us, a good shepherd who seeks to find and save the lost. Encountering, they encountered the Spirit. Early disciples found themselves heart to heart with God, the God the guide and advocate who makes the church possible and sustains all of creation. In the end, the doctrine of the Trinity is about God who is living and active in our lives, creating, recreating, teaching, guiding, protecting, bringing truth and empowering. But the Spirit is not something new. They are grabbing from an old, old tradition. I want to read from Proverbs 8. One of the ideas of maybe this idea of Lady Wisdom, and this, this, this is one of the early ideas of this spirit, the spirit of God that, that is speaking truth. See, John is grasping onto the spirit of truth, and Jesus is saying, this spirit of truth is going to rest and be with you now. And so Proverbs 8 says, Do, does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights besides the way at the crossway, she takes her stand. Besides the gates in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work and the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depth, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not, when he had not yet made earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he, when he assigned the sea its limit so the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. Like a master worker, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. This vision of the spirit of wisdom, of truth that is there from the beginning of creation is still here in the midst of creation. God and Jesus is saying to us in this passage, will be with you. Do you see the movement of God from distant and up there? 
to joining and through the work of Christ to be with us. This poetic portrait of the wisdom also resonates with John's description of the Spirit as a truth, the Spirit of truth, the one who will guide you in all truth. Profound proclaiming that the truth, this truth in our life, that is often hard to put words to, It's very different than just truth that is just a certainty and you can kind of beat people over the head with it. It is a truth that is sometimes hard to put words to. This truth, this spirit moving is the very ground of our being. Today we get to do the um, exciting movement and liturgy of baptism. And it's in baptism that we are reminded of this beautiful trinity that we are a part of. That as Jesus spoke as God spoke over creation and the Spirit hovered, as Jesus was being baptized and the heavens opened up and the Spirit descended and it proclaims, the voice of God proclaims the great truth that you are my beloved. And as we walk into this world, always reminded by the water that we are washed and cleansed and part of this relationship with God. Okay. I don't know exactly what it is or what it means. It's, 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 it's more than I can bear. But I want to leave you with some, something practical about this whole Trinity idea that Jesus is pointing us to. Tr- the Trinity practically casts a vision of a God that is fundamentally relational. Constituted by this relation of God, Son, and Holy Spirit and sharing and pouring of oneself and life into the life of another. That is, it, is, it is a sharing, it is an emptying without the losing of oneself. And if human beings, if we are created in this image of God, then in our own way, we must be fundamentally relational. To constitute our relationship with God and one another. This is an important message to proclaim in our world in which lives and breathes on individualism, isolation, loneliness, and pleasure to myself. The Spirit says no. The fundamental part of who I am, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the fundamental part of who you are is one who is steeped deep in a relationship with one another and with me. We aren't just something that we do, but in a deep sense, we are in this relationships with God and one another. Relationships are who we are. So when you are participating, dear friends, in the relationships with one another, maybe even those you don't like, learning to love is the nice way to say that. When we participate in this love with one another, this love with God, we are participating in the very dance and mystery of the Trinity. It is an experience we have to encounter. And so to all of us, Jesus says, Beloved, I have have so much more to tell you, but you can't bear it. But may the spirit of truth move and speak and take space in the very ground of your ordinary being. May it take space in your relationship with one another. May it take space and create freedom and life for us all. Let's pray.
God, in this room, there are a lot of people bearing a lot of things. Hurt, pain, isolation, distance, and doubt. Yeah, we can smile and kind of make it through a couple of hours, but when we go back home, it kind of unravels. You see it. You see us bearing our humanity, our brokenness, and to that, you have sent your spirit. And so may her truth speak loudly into the depths of our heart. May it ground us in our being, and may we know that we are with you and you are with us. Teach us. Teach us to love. Teach us to give. Teach us to receive. Teach us to dance. It's in your name we pray. Amen.